Previously on the Lupe and Royce show. Jeez, man, you got you guys got to help me, man. Please, my, I'm a family man. I got kids. <laughs> Pen, confession, autograph, help, in that order. You did the right thing, kid. Hey, we'll be back. Whatever you do, don't answer the phone. So, Royce, where'd you get that phone from anyway? Man, that's my daughter's phone. Dun, dun, dun. Beautifully written. Beautifully written. The Lupa and Royce show is a Say What Media production. That was pretty good. Bam! What's up, y'all? This is Lupe Fiasco, and I am currently, currently, wearing the Lupe and Royce t-shirt. Go get your one. What's up? This is Royce the 5'9", and not only is my brother wearing a Lupe and Royce t-shirt, but he's writing another script as we speak. Just to give you an idea of the greatness. Yeah, I might, I might be a little, a little distracted this this episode. But anyway. that's because you're not, you won't take my help. I offered it to you. I also help. Help, offered him help. Now, I, I tried to help this guy write the script, but he won't even let me help him. Neither one of you helped. I got this, man. Let me. You do your thing. This is Tom Frank. I'm the regular dude. I'm also wearing a Lupe and Roy shirt. Um, I'm very much like this one. It's very nice. We're out of shirts online. We got to get some more back up there. We've been sold out for a while. That's that's all May. That's all May. You the man. What do you got on your head today? My God versus my enemies. Who's winning? I think y'all need to ask Jordan Peele about me, bro. My are you pen, still are you still pen. worrying about? Did we, hold on. First of all, did we get any comments about our? I believe it was an amazing performance, especially in lieu of that it was the Oscars. I feel like that we 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 put on such a, a a decent performance that we should at least got some honorable mention or some like a little nod from the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I think we did it in enough time. We did it in enough time where it could have been submitted, right? We we got a lot of positive feedback. Well, I think any a lot of them from the appreciated the Ring the Theater. Did we get did we get five oh, from feedback the from the Oscars? Not yet. It hasn't come in. It, it, okay. it usually takes a few weeks for is that, it to come is in. Is there anybody mail. named we have a PO box. anybody named Oscar? Because it might just be an email. <laughs> Could be an Oscar Rodriguez. Maybe. I'll look for it. I'll, okay, we'll take. It. I'm just saying. That, you know, they could just mail my trophy to, to Lupe Crib. I'll pick it up one day when we find out where you live at. <laughs> You know, if he gets a trophy, he's not picking it up anytime soon. Lupe live in an underground bunker, bro. It's over. Mandy, I'm telling you, dog, y'all got to respect my pen in that script room, bro. Listen, man, if you want to start writing the scripts, then go ahead. I, I had I had multiple scripts, but I didn't write them down. So I got, I do I had to do a concert today. Shout to East Carolina University for having your boy uh, come perform. So I'll, I'll East Carolina. Yeah, East Carolina. East Carolina. Yeah. Ooh, the Pirates. How, you know of East Carolina? What do you mean? Do I know of East Carolina? Yes, I know of East Carolina. Okay, just making sure. I'm, I'm gonna a, a shout out to one of my colleagues, Ryan Stroll, who I know listens to the show. is a is a pirate alum. He will be very excited that you did a virtual concert. There you there. go. It was great. It was, good. It was a good show. Mm. Now was it was it you just did this show? Was it live? Yeah, it was or live. Recorded? It was live. 
proper Ooh. proper live show. Proper, proper live shout, show. Shout out to my DJ, DJ Double O. Yeah, man. I've been doing virtual concerts kind of here and there sporadically throughout the pandemic, you know, keep the bills paid. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, I did notice... Yeah, man, because I still need mine paid. Go ahead, Tom. Now, I did notice that you announced, and, and Royce, tell me if you're doing the same, that you're going back out on tour. I'm In not. November? Lupe is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Royce does this, man. I don't know why he he plays like first that he's not first that he's not Royce the Five Nine. R- Royce the Five Nine has more Instagram followers than I do, at least half as many, right? Half more I than I do. Royce almost has a million Instagram followers. I'm I'm barely looking at a five five forty five. Okay, I, I didn't mean it like that. I meant I don't want to. Royce, oh, okay. Like yeah, I don't want to go. I like how you interrupted my tirade, but go ahead. Now no, you don't want to go. go. No, it's fine. I don't like it's, interrupting it's, your tirade, bro. It's cool. It's cool. He likes to he likes to minimize his impact and and celebrity. The Mister just got nominated for a Grammy. Like he he likes to do that from time. His friends win Oscars. People that I know because of him winning Oscars. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't nobody I know won an Oscar. Uh, was it? Yeah, I don't think I know anybody that won an Oscar. Per- Royce personally knows people. Well, you know me, and I would have won one if I would have wrote that script. <laughs> I <won> one. <laughs> or if I would have helped write it. Maybe we should have a script off. No, I don't want to make this a competition. I want to. Col- Every time I try to collaborate with this man, he always turns me down and rejects me. Man, do you see this shirt? What's written on this shirt? Tom, can you read what's on this shirt? I believe it says the Lupe and Royce show featuring. Yeah, don't say, don't say that. You stop, stop, stop with a word stop. Okay. Is that don't on you, the back? Maybe that's add, on the listen, back. Don't you add some. What does that say? That says the Lupe and Royce. And Tom, Royce. why are you always so complicit with his facetiousness? Listen, this script though that I'm writing right now, this right here is crypto. Ooh, it's cakes. This is this is delicious cakes, hot off the presses. I, I is it going to be better than the, the first week? Of course it is. Yeah, the first one was a little rough. He set the precedence. He set the precedence. I, I actually had a really good one, but it was it was almost too good for the show. And I was like, well, I can't, I can't just waste this on this talent on us like we're we, well any we we building up to it this this one of those like we gotta we if we nail this one right and well, i mean we actually clinch it in there drive this one home then i think we we deserve to have the top-notch quality stuff that i've been cooking up hit y'all hit us so, y'all might, so we, we have to we have to prove ourselves, yeah, to ourselves before i gotta work on stepping gotta, y'all performance up this week listen Step right i gotta work on it your performance is really good I ain't gonna front. I, I listened. I listened to it. Uh, I listened to the show, and I was like, "Man, Royce!" And shout to Sir, shout to shout to Scorpio for putting in those well put, well timed. I ain't been listening to nothing. I ain't been listening to nothing but that since we did it, bro. I just <laughs> fast forwarding all my parts. <laughs> Scorpio did a very very good job. Let me week. find out that, that the sound effects. Let me find out that Royce takes the Lupe and Royce show chops it up, just takes his parts and then just does the Royce show over at the Joe Budden <laughs> network. Nah, oh, he, he drops it at the Joe Budden network and it's just him. It's just the Royce show. He cuts me and you completely out. It's just him. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be any fun if it was just a Royce show. I put it on cassette and fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 
No, nah, I, I was I was feeling that when we did it though. That was fun. That was fun to do. If we had fun doing it, then I'm pretty sure the people listening enjoyed it. It was well received. Well received. Did we get any? What? So do we got any? Did did we have any? Like comments? We're gonna get to those comments. Okay. But first, but first, we got a, a guest ad? today. Oh, okay. No, no, no. But first, ad. we're gonna we're gonna we got a we got a very interesting guest today. I love having guests. I, I know you like having guests, and and this is one. He's a as people are listening to this on Thursday, because everybody wa- listens to on Thursday. There's a big sporting event coming up. There's the NFL draft. It, it makes dreams and it kills dreams. And we have uh, Doug Middleton on the show. He's a professional football player, plays for the Jacksonville Jags, plays safety. Um, I know you've bounced around the NFL a little bit, and I want to hear a little bit about that. But even more importantly, um, Doug started a foundation called Dream the Impossible, which was formed to fix, uh, really fix the lack of awareness surrounding mental health in the African-American community. And uh, I'm, we're going to get into that because I, I want to I know more. But first, I got to ask you the, the, the burning question. Is when this comes out, it's going to come out on Thursday, the NFL draft, and you will have a new te- teammate. Who will it be? Let us in on that. Uh, I mean, to be honest, you know, I think um, I think everybody in America knows who it's going to be. So <laughs> I think it's a done deal. Uh, it sounds like Trevor Lawrence. So uh, excited to call him a teammate. Looks like a great competitor. He's a winner. And um, that's definitely what we're trying to do, turn this thing around. So tell us a little bit about how you got to Jacksonville. Cause you, now, uh, the, now you were an undrafted free agent, right? You, you, you came out of Appalachian state. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what, what was that experience like? Yeah. So I got into the league undrafted, went to a small school, Appalachian state, you know, we won a lot of games. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you're not coming from a school that's in, in the SEC, the ACC, you know, it's tough to get going in this league, especially when you're undrafted. Um, you know, I definitely had some uh, some struggles my senior year. Uh, my junior year, I was all conference. My freshman year, I was all American. And, um, you know, just like mental health, like my career had a lot of ups and downs. And um, so, you know, when I first got into the league, coming in undrafted to New York, um, you know, I had a lot of other opportunities from other teams, but I just felt like New York was a good fit. You know, it was my favorite team growing up, and I was a huge fan of Darrell Rivas at the time. So just – Getting to go be in the locker room with the guy like that I had so much respect for um, meant a lot. So I did my first uh, my first year with New York. Uh, started off on practice squad, and then just kind of earned everything I got in this league. You know, worked my way up, and then uh, you know ended the season on the fifty three man roster. And then you know from there on out, uh, my second year I had some injuries, and then my third year finally getting you know to start some games and really see uh, my potential in this league. You know, get shown and. And, um, you know, getting to start some games against my guy, uh, one of my good friends, Jamal Adams, um, you know, that was that was a pretty cool experience. And then so after my first three years, going into my fourth year, we got a new GM, new coach. And, you know, I, I remember the day when the GM got fired, you could definitely tell things was going to change around the building. And, um, you know, the, the new GM wasn't uh, – he was he was pretty serious about that. So um, – Can't stop him through there? Yeah, yeah, he came. He came cleaning up house, man. He came stumping in there cleaning up house, and uh, you know when they when they let when they let me go, they really didn't even he really didn't have an excuse. He was just like, you know, we just gonna go a different direction. And I'm like, okay, what can I do better? And it really wasn't even nothing he could say, you know. So I got picked up week two by Miami. 
Uh, after they traded Mika Fitzpatrick, they signed me. And then I was there for most of the season and then ended up going to Jacksonville. And then I've been there since uh, 2019. You like it better there? I mean, to be honest, man, I'm ready to win some games. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 1-15, I, I ain't been 1-15 my entire life. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, losing is not something um, I come from. Uh, I won a lot of games in college, and um, you know I'm trying to win some games in this league and, and, and see what it feels like. Now, don't downplay Appalachian State. Now, if I remember, were you there? We won a lot of games. Now we won a lot. You of games. you beat Penn State. Did you? Did, were you on the team that beat Penn State or Michigan? Because no, no, I was. Been, I was in, in between my years, but um, you know, my senior year. Oh, okay. It was, it was the first year to win a bowl game. Um, so yeah. you know, we we won a lot of games. I think we lost like maybe one or two games my senior year. Did you? What kind of injury did you have? You said you had some injuries. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, ain't, you know, I ain't gonna lie, man. It's a tough game. It's a, it's a very physical game, and to really come in this game and not have any injuries at all is like pretty much impossible. Like, you know, my second year, uh, I tore my right pet, and then coming back the next year, I tore my left pet. Um, and then it's injuries that I've had that, like, you know, most people don't even know about. Like, I give you an example. Like, I broke my pinky finger. Uh, dislocated it the day before a game, had surgery, and then played, you know, the whole game, like two days later. You know what I'm saying? So nope. it's things that go on that, you know, people really don't even uh, kind of notice or understand. And, and, you know, you just got to do what you got to do, you know? Brother, I heard <laughs> – I know a few people who went to the league, and I know a few people who went in different ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know one guy who went to um, Grand Valley in college. He went to Grand Valley, and he was like a damn near superstar Grand Valley. He said he went to a, either a tryout or something happened where he was working out with an NFL team. He said them motherfuckers hit so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he went to one practice. He said now, they was hitting him so hard that he just decided, I'm good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> done. Like I said, it's a physical game, man. You talking about, you know, guys is – 220, 230, running four threes, four fours. You know what I'm saying? That's a that's a lot of power, a lot of weight being shifted around out there. So um, it's definitely a pretty physical game for sure. He was like, it was like night and day. Getting hit in college and then getting hit in the NFL, he said that shit is like night and day. Yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, especially coming from App State, like we play big schools, but like it's a competition level. Like you got guys that's like, you know, good at every position. You know, in college, mm -hmm. you like, oh, this guy, you ain't really got to worry about him too much. Like, they can only do so much. Like, in the league, like, you know, everybody good. So, you know, everybody got to be taken seriously. So, um, you know, the preparation is where it's a lot different, you know, compared to college. I think in college, you, you I prepared a ton. But, like like I said, like, it was different things that you knew that that, that God simply wasn't nowhere close to, you know, as talented as you were. So, you wouldn't be really worried about him like that. But it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. way different. You know? And clearly, when you go from college to the pros, right? I mean, the pros is a job. Like this is your okay, job yeah, now. You yeah, you got it. Yeah. You know, I, I do think from, and I, I know we're going to get into more on the mental health side. But how how does that take a toll on you? I mean, you're out there playing. You went one in fifteen last year. I mean, yeah. that had to be tough. I mean, you got Jacksonville people. You know, I mean, from a mental standpoint, I, I can't even imagine uh, how, how you kind of get through that. I ain't a lot of stuff. You know, it's, it's definitely tough on your mental health. I mean, even when you talk about the injuries that I've had, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough journey, you know, and 
I guess the best way I can describe it is that, you know, it is your job. It is how you provide for your family. And you just got to know, like, you know, Urban comes in and says this, like, just because we had a bad team don't mean we had bad players. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of things that, that was going wrong throughout the process. You know, there was definitely some players that definitely need to be replaced. And, and you know, that's that's going to happen as, as time goes on. But um, you really just got to stay positive. And, and, you know, to be honest, like at 1-15, there's not many things you can stay positive about, you know. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you, you're making a sacrifice for your family. You provide for your family. And um, that's the part that you got to focus on. And all the other stuff will kind of take care of itself. You know, you just got to continue to put the work in. And, I mean, you see it like, you know, a lot of these teams, you know, they they be losing. And then they get a quarterback. Next thing you know, they're going to the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's not necessarily like – It can like, turn around oh, quick. Yeah. It can turn around quick, you know, and, and especially when we got a coach that's, that knows how to win. This came from, came from winning. Um, you know, that's definitely, you know, what you know, we're looking to do. You know, Irvin said we're trying to turn around a year, not a couple of years. I mean, this next year we're trying to turn around. But uh, just speaking more on that mental health side, like, you know, I've had injuries. I've, I got the second the second year I got injured, um, I was just trying to figure out, like, you know, how can I make myself a better person outside the game of football? Because, you know, the game of football only lasts so long. You know what I'm saying? You can only only play this game so long. So now I'm thinking, like, how can I – use the platform that I developed as an athlete, you know, that's, that's going to carry me, you know, the rest of my life. And uh, so I went back to school and got my master's in public administration. I did some internships and, um, you know, I really found my passion for working with student athletes and also working for like local government, like doing, you know, grassroots type of work um, in the community. And then fast forward another year, I got hurt again. So now I'm really struggling mentally. I, I, I really don't understand like what's kind of going on. And now, you know, I'm questioning my faith. Like, I'm questioning a lot of different things of, of what, you know, what exactly God got planned for me because I really don't understand what's going on. And then at that time, you know, I struggled. I struggled bad, man. It, it was it was tough. And um, was that's this, why was I was. This after, was this before or after you, the new GM came in and then you went to? Nah, this is before. This is before. Oh, this is before. before. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. This was this was my third years when I got hurt the second time. I had already done, made it back from my injury, you know, started primetime games, you know, made plays, national team, you know what I'm saying? I already got to kind of like, you know, my career really taking off and accelerating. And then I got, you know, hurt again. And now it's like, you know, another setback. It's like, dang, like, what is he trying to show me? What is he trying to tell me? Um, you know, what is God trying to show me? So, you know, at that point, man, I just really, I really prayed a lot. You know, I really... Um, I, like I said, I really struggled just trying to figure out what exactly, you know, was God, you know, trying to show me. But what it came down to is is really my support system, man. That's how I got through it, you know. Uh, my girl, my friends, uh, my teammates, uh, my family, you know. And I feel like that's the same thing you got to do, you know, when, you, when you're struggling, you know, outside of football, just really with your mental health, you know, anybody. You got to have a good support system. You got to have some good people around you that you can talk to and really be real with, you know, when you, you know, when you're going through it. And if you ain't got that, man, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to get through it. Cause life's tough. You know, you're going to always have curveballs. You have always have things that come out the woodworks. You know, you just gotta, you know, you gotta stay strong. And um, a lot of people, they don't really look at mental health until like something's going wrong or you can't do it. You can't do it like that. You know, with physical health, like, you don't just go in the weight room and, and run around and jog around when you start feeling bad. You do that because you want to look good. You stay on top of it every day. 
And that's how you got to be with your mental health. Like you got to treat it the same way. Like if you want to stay, you know, mentally strong and mentally healthy, like you got to do things, you know, every single day to make sure you, you know, you prepare yourself for when that, that next, you know, negative thing comes in your life, you know, because it's going to come. Where you, where you grow up at? I grew up in Winston-Salem. Yeah. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Winston-Salem? Yeah. College of Trade 4. That's where I grew up at. And then, did you, um, did you, were you made aware of therapy? As a as a kid, did you know anything about therapy as a kid or growing up? Uh, any so, so to be honest, my mom uh, was a social worker. My mom was a social okay. worker growing up, and then my brother's in school for social work now, getting his masters. Um, we live outside of Charlotte now, but you know, I was made aware of it. But to be honest with you, was like it felt like every time I tried to talk to my mom, like she was trying to sound like my therapist. You know, what I'm saying instead of being my mom, so it was like. Sometimes it would kind of push me away from like even want to learn more about mental health because I felt like every time I would talk to her, she trying to dissect what's going on with me. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to have a regular conversation. Like, oh, you must got something wrong. You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm like, nah, mom. Just, you know, I was the oldest, so it was you know it was the first time that, you know, they had a kid. So it was it was a learning process for both of us. But um, what really got me deep involved in the mental health is um, going into my second year. Um, like my best friend since the age of six, man, he, he started struggling with, uh, with depression, severe depression around my senior year in college. And then like my first year in the league, it started getting like really bad. Like he didn't even want to take a shower. He didn't want to leave the crib. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was getting bad. And, uh, he had tried medicine. He tried different therapists. He was in and out the psychiatric unit and it wasn't working and shit wasn't working. Like he was still struggling. <clears throat> and then, it just came to a point in time. I'm like, I didn't know much about it. So I'm like, yo, bro, like kind of snap out of it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, bro, like, you know, let's go get some help. But like, I'm kind of like bringing it to an angle where I know it's going to work. And that's not necessarily the case because sometimes it may take <clears throat> you taking the three, four therapists before you find one that works. Sometimes it may take you, you know, trying different medicines before, you know, you find the one that works for you. Like it's not, one simple formula for, for getting you right back on track. And that's what I had to learn. I didn't learn that lesson until I already lost my best friend. So, um, you know, going into my second year, my best friend suffered a death by suicide. And um, at the age of 22, uh, no, 23, I'm sorry. And then when that happened, I spoke at his funeral at church. And I just talked about mental health. I talked about the things that he was struggling with. And really the pastor got up there and, and um, he was just like, you know, if you're dealing with mental health, you need to just come and pray about it. And then just kind of excluded like everything, all the things that I was saying, like therapy and get, you know, you know, having a counselor and, and all, all that type of stuff and being on medicine. And, and he just kind of threw all that to the side. And when that happened, like, you know, it was all type of people coming up to me after, you know, after church saying they were struggling, too. And, and they felt the things that I was saying. And that's when I knew I had to do something about it. And then that's when I started my foundation, Dream Impossible. But. Man, it's, it's just so many stigmas, especially in the African-American community out about mental health. And, and so many people want to be tough guys. You know, as African-American males, like, we expected to be the leaders of our family. We expected to, you know, to stay strong. Like, that's, I mean, that's what we've been doing for, like, the last couple hundred years. You know what I'm saying? We got to, whatever pain we're going through, we just got to suppress it and keep it going. And, um, you know, we got to we gotta really find resources that can help us. You know, if you really want to be the best version of yourself, if you really want to be consistently successful, you gotta you gotta you know give yourself some resources to, to stay mentally strong and, and 
Um, that's what I'm trying to do, bring awareness to that. And just let people know that, like, you don't need to just go talk to somebody when you're going through something. If you really want to be the best person, so you got to you gotta do it even when you're feeling good. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. I mean, I, I noticed the stigma associated with mental health and just therapy. Probably, I've been sober for eight years, probably around two, year, two, two years into my sobriety, me, myself, going to therapy. I started really, it was probably a mixture of sobriety and going to therapy. I just started seeing things different as I started to evolve. Then I realized that all of those years prior to, I had been missing out on a lot of key development, you know, and, and one of the major components is communication. You know what I mean? So I didn't realize the effect that suppressing every single emotion growing up would have on me and would have on every decision that I made in terms of my career, every decision that I made with my wife, with my girl. Like I've been with my girl since high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you, right. if you brought up in a souped up pseudo pseudo masculine environment where the measuring stick for cool is souped up masculinity. Yeah. Tough guy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the measuring stick for cool. Then, you know, like you don't deal with a, a single emotion. Like the last few funerals that I went to, I, I specifically remember trying to cry, yeah. looking for it. Couldn't find it. You know what I mean? Like, and it was just like, I thought I was looking crazy because I was the only one that wasn't crying, but I just couldn't. You know what I mean? So it was like, I was totally at a point where I wasn't in touch with any of my feelings to be able to articulate them, unpack them, and get them off me. So I'm just carrying around shit. You I know what I mean? So Yeah. I think you made a great point there, like, because that's what, you know, like I said, my brother's in school for right now. And that's something he always, like, when we go talk to people that maybe, you know, considering suicide and maybe thinking about it, and we're trying to just really connect them to other resources and, and, and get them out of the immediate hole that they're in right now, just until they can go talk to somebody. It's like a lot of uh, one thing I always see in common is how people suppress their emotions, man. You got to feel every emotion. You know what I'm saying? You got to embrace it. Like, you know, whether it's pain, whether it's happiness, whatever it is, like you can't really just push it off to the side. And, and like you said, as African-Americans, I mean, I can't think of too many times I've seen my pops cry. You know what I'm saying? My pops was a great father. But at the same time, I can't think of too many times where I've seen him like literally show like like weakness or like show like, you know, that he was struggling or that like there was some things that he needed, you know, some help with or, you know, it was some pain that he was going through. It was like, I just never saw that, you know? And it was like, as I grew up as older as a man, it was like, that was, I, I really struggled with that too until now, like I'm learning about more about mental health and learning how to, you know, really embrace my emotions. Before then, like I would suppress it all too, man. I get injuries like, oh, you know, push it to the side. Like I got to keep it going. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, whether I have failure in school or failure, you know, going through life, I just got to suppress it and just keep it going. And then all that stuff adds up. And not only does it add up, but it influences the way you see things. It changes your whole perception about life. And um, I think perception is like, you know, a really critical word because, you know, all four of our perceptions can be different. You know, all four of our backgrounds can be different. We may see like we may be all four staring at the TV, but we may all see the TV different. And that's based on, you know, our background, that's based on our education, that's based on the life we live, the people we've been around, you know, and I feel like your mental health has a, has a definitely, um, has an impact in that too, you know, so 
I, I'm, I'm all in on mental health, man. It's something that's, that's definitely changed my life. And, and I just want to, you know, empower other people, um, empower, you know, young student athletes, uh, people in our community and let them know, man, because like people ain't got to struggle like this, man. It's, it's, it's Life is tough. Don't get me wrong, but it don't got to be like this, you know. I call, I call it an amenity. I call ther- therapy an amenity that's not, that's not offered to us. It's like we stand at a hotel and it's a gym downstairs, but we can't use it. Exactly. Why do you think, why do you think, and Doug, I'm a white guy, if you hadn't noticed. Um, no, you're good, you're good. Why do you think that, what are the factors that, that make this, an, for an African-American, like it's a low awareness? Like why do you, because I, both of you kind of allude to the fact that that's kind of more your background. Like I, because I would feel the same way. I, I think I've seen my dad cry maybe twice in his whole life. Like what, what makes you think that it's more of a, of an African-American issue than, than it is just a male issue. I would say, I mean, I read Charlemagne's book. I think he made some good points in it. You know, um, I can't remember the title of it, but he talks about uh, a mental health for African-Americans and how it dates all the way back to slavery days. And it was like, mm-hmm. a you know, pain we had to suppress and like all those emotions that we had back then and there, you know, from slavery to civil rights, like all that still being suppressed and all that's being carried with us through this day and like it's being passed down and passed down. I mean, I think that's one of the things. And then if you look at like, you know, the economic structure of our people, you know, a lot of our people are struggling financially. And, Mm. you know, when you look at it, it's like, okay, can I ever make it out this hole? Is it ever like a better, you know, a better life for me? And it's like, I think, I think the problem is like with social media and our people like, when you go on social media, you can you can literally log on and see one version of our people living like so much better than the other. And it's like immediately you can see that. So immediately you can see it and then immediately you gotta go back to the way you live in. So it's like that's that's you know, that's 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 trauma there. Like I mean, people like trying to figure out ways to get out of this situation when you see somebody else living like that, it's like, well dang, like how can I quickly change my life like that? And to be honest, there's no such thing as a quick fix in life. You know what I'm saying? There's, I mean, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Like everything you do is, you know, has, has been built up for years. Like I didn't just, you know, make it to the league. Y'all didn't just become who y'all are today without, you know, putting in those nights, you know, over a long periods of time. And I think that's, that's one part of it too. Just, just every, you know, our people looking for immediate success and, or our people just, just struggling as a whole, you know, and, um, I think the way that therapy is framed to us as black people, the way it's framed to us and the idea that's in our mind about what therapy is, is a person that's sitting in a room and you're going to lay like on a couch and they're going to fix you. You know what I mean? So the first thing we think is I don't need to be fixed. If you're talking about somebody who hasn't dealt with an emotion his entire childhood, then obviously there's going to be pride there. There's going to be ego there. I don't need to be fixed. Not only do we not go to therapy, but we don't go to the doctor either. In order for me to go to the doctor prior to therapy, something would have had to have been bleeding from somewhere. Something would have had to have been opened up. I would have had to have excruciating pain. Like, and the only doctor I would go to is the emergency room. Like, when I got sober and I went to the doctor because I didn't want to experience withdrawal symptoms, I was at a financial high and I didn't have health insurance. Tom, what's the earliest that you heard about therapy? What's the earliest that you were made aware of therapy that you can remember? 
I mean, probably much younger. Uh, probably teenager. Was it? Did you did you ever go to therapy as a as a as a kid? I never went as a kid. I went as an adult once, and I think we talked about this one time. I I I I never. I never, I never kind of got into it. Like I never found the value in it, to be totally honest with you. And I think when we talked about it last time, you had made a good comment and you said maybe it was the wrong therapist and it very well could have been. I, I just never kind of connected with that particular person. I'm putting that, like that was the like, only time. I got, I got a question. So I'm like, so did you ever see like, you know, your dad show any emotions like that? Like, was there ever something like that you, that you saw? Like, what about, as far as your friend group when you was growing up, that were y'all able to really just, you know, be open with each other about, you know, some of the things that y'all were struggling with or going through? No, I don't think so. I I don't think you're ever completely open with your, right. your, your friends growing up. I mean, I think every kid is a high school kid as a, I mean, right. there's a certain amount of you, you kind of hide in you. Right. And, sure. and, and like sure. my dad, like, I, I don't think the only time I ever saw my dad cry was probably at one of his brother's funerals. And that, that was about it. Like he was very much right here. You never saw him, you know, get too high, too low. He was always right here. And, and that's, yeah. I think I, I tend to be the same. And, but I think as I, as I have kids now, I, I, at least I'm, I'm trying to make it so that emotions are a, a much more open thing. It's all, it's all right to cry. It's all right to laugh. It's all right to get mad. It's all right to, you know, and, I, but, but I, that, that's not, that's not kind of where I came from, so that's kind of difficult at times. But I got a I got a follow up question: That did you ever have somebody tell you that therapy was bad or therapy was something that you shouldn't use, or like if you were going through something no. crazy? No, I don't think I've ever had anyone tell me it's a, a negative thing. So, Royce, those are you know those are common common stigmas you hear in the African American community, right? Yeah. Oh, he just crazy. Yeah, we, like, oh, he just got yeah, you know, you got, like, across the street. Yeah, he just, he just, you know, he, he retarded. You know what I'm saying? Just, just let him. I ain't even talk to the, I ain't even talked to the guidance counselor at my school. I don't talk to no counselor. It's just inherently in us, man. You know, like, yeah, it's like. like I don't you want to talk to nobody. You get a whooping if you did something like that. You know, that they use the resources. So now was it's more or less not about like learning to to use the resources. It's more about learning that it's okay to use the resources that like you're not going to get you know in trouble for using like these people aren't out to get you like these people aren't trying to like do something wrong to you these they're here to help trying, yeah like, you know what i'm saying these people are, like trying to help you you know what i'm saying so that's how i would kind of view it like i think it's i think it's a little bit more complex than that though um what's up dude i've been over here writing this what's script up, just in case just in case you was wondering like what how come lupe ain't said nothing yet because i've been over here crafting magnificence on this side but I've been tuned really in. Amazing. Shut, shut. Let's let me work. Let me cook. <laughs> you can put my two I'm cents in. I think I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit more 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 complex in the sense that it's individual case by case. You know, so every everybody didn't receive the same kind of incentive or de incentive um, as it relates to kind of mental health and things like that. Um, some people just literally had abusive people in their life. You know, um, that that they were afraid to speak. Two people are afraid of their dads, you know, some people are afraid of their moms, mm -hmm. you know, um, whether they were aware of a mental health framework or system or not. Um, there was just a way that the community was was constructed and crafted. In some cases, the father wasn't even there at all. Um, but there's other there's other kind of aspects where, you know, you think about like. 
that dude is crazy. You know, it's not just to be said like that dude is has a mental or physical has some type of imbalance about him or herself that therapy not finna fix like that person is is mildly schizophrenic or has schizo tendency or mania or things like that. Uh, 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 What's the other one? Uh, uh, Bipolar, things of that nature. So there are folks um, in the community and through all communities. Right. And I've seen it in, you know, fortunately being able to, to 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 be intimate in different people's situations and circumstances from all walks of life. You know, my first friend was white, you know, which is probably why I like white people so much. Maybe that is why I like white people so much. But my first friend, my first like friend, friend, I was white, but I was like, I was like three or four. He was like 10 or something like that. Right. Um, and I remember just kind of from time to time, I mentally go back to like, why was, but he was the, the friend next door. Like he's literally right across our driveway and he had like a bunch of Coca-Cola. And it was like, how did he get so much Coca-Cola in his basement? Man, I thought you were about, about to say something else, bro. I he was too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I, remember, I remember when we stopped becoming friends. This, this ain't to put him on blast or, or even put the situation on blast. But I remember we stopped being friends because he wanted me to cuss. He's like, if you cuss, then you could, then you could go home. And I was like, no, nah, I ain't finna do all that, right? And it, it was just kind of like, a more more of like a moral thing what i was used to but i i bring all that i bring all that up to say is you know i've been in in different situations with different peoples from different walks of life from different races different backgrounds different classes and I, it's consistent you know i feel like that mental health uh access whether you have access to it or not um whether, whether it's incentivized for you to go or not there's people dealing with 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 you know, kind of maladjustments to either their communities, their family situations, their school situations. Um, and you would think that, man, they got it better on the other side, but it goes back to that, that adage, the grass is greener always on the other side, right? So I'm looking at my friend Mike, they got Coca-Cola and all type of other stuff in their basement. But, you know, he got this situation where it's like, man, you want, you want me to cuss to leave? Like that ain't like some, some about that is a little bit, little bit weird. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think when you look on e- either side of the fence, you're going to see things and maybe make assumptions about how people live and how people moving. Uh, another another fact is you think about suicide rates, you know, the suicide rates are super high and white. The, 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 the white male is the most prompt, prompt uh, prone to commit suicide. Right. For various reasons. Um, and there was a study and I referenced it. I referenced it a lot. And I apologize for kind of uh, being verbose right now. But I referenced it a lot where the, there was a woman, black woman who did this study. I think she was black. Um, and it was like, you know, white males commit more suicide than anybody else. They're more prone to commit suicide. Um, but she was looking at like, but if you look at the black community, you look at homicide. She's like, what if homicide is, is actually suicide? Right. And she, the way she spent it was like, you know, white, white males, they look at like they're white males. The system is supposed to be for them. You know, they supposed to be getting everything that they want. They supposed to be able to just do whatever they want. And there's a realization that they ain't. You know, people don't really care about them like that. You know, you don't really have certain people have juice and certain people don't. Same thing, like you said, in the black community, you go on social media, certain, you know, celebrities and just people who know how to get it out there balling crazy. But then you flip on the other side, it's people who struggling, struggling. And then folks who sit in the middle. So it's like this white male complex where they even drank the Kool-Aid and was like, yeah, I'm white. I'm male. I'm supposed to have X, Y, Z, da, da, da. They get out there in the world. You know, they losing jobs to people. They they can't compete on the on the football field. They can't do this. They can't do that. Um, you know, and they, they, they feel like that this it's weird because the system that's supposedly for them don't it, like pushes them away. Then she was like on the reverse. When you look at a black male, 
know the system not for him. Right. Like it's kind of like a given, like the system not for me. So I ain't even finna try. You know what I'm saying? The system, I'm, I'm not even finna try and go to school. I'm not even trying to do this because it's, it's the narrative is that it's not for me. Right. Even though you got brothers and sisters who who work quite well, you know, they go to school, they do they, you know, they get their degrees, they get their jobs, they do X, Y, Z. Um, and she was saying one of the reactions to that was homicide rates, you know. So it kind of end in these the same kind of drives a, a, a maladjustment to your place in society. But it spills out on for, for white males into suicide and it spills out for black males into homicide. Right. They they, they want to kind of project it onto other folks, whereas white folks take it upon themselves. So it's interesting. I bring all that up to say, you know, it's interesting that as it may seem very simple in general. But as you go case by case, person by person and start opening up the the. Uh, the 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 bag and start looking into people's lives and how they they mental states and stuff like that man i see it consistent through society bringing up hotel cecil too uh tom like thinking about mm-hmm. when we 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 had a whole thing doug talking about watching hotel cecil on the, on the podcast a few episodes ago and when you watch that that joint you know it's it's a chinese woman with a serious mental issue you know serious mental breakdown that led to her you know unfortunately uh uh killing herself um and you wouldn't think that like chinese people they got it good you know, like, why would she like, no, she has a, a mental illness now that she needs when she stopped taking her medication, just like if anybody stopped taking the medication, you know, they're going to have a problem. Um, and, and wanted to like the whole reason that she left on the little journey was because she wanted to feel normal. You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't want to be on the pill. She didn't want to kind of have that description that she has, that she like she's closed in from the world that she has to go through this and go through that. She was like, I just want to be free. You know, and her going after that freedom, you know, coming off her medication, she eventually ended her demise. So, you know, I, I just think it's a little bit more complicated, you know, for the bottom line. Yeah. We're all a little bit crazy. A little bit. All of us. All of us. And, <laughs> and I want to say, I actually, I, I think it's true. I think we're all crazy. Yeah. We could all use some help. I think to build off of what uh, Lupe said, like, um, just that last part, like, you know, a lot of people want, you know, a temp- they want to fix the situation that they're going through. Like, they don't want to choose suicide. It just, like, they think suicide is, is going to temporarily solve their problems. And really, it's a, it's, you know, suicide is a permanent solution. Like, there's, there's no coming back from that. And, um, you know, people just kind of want the pain to go away. But when you look at it, like, I think you made a good point about, like, how, you know, trauma or even, you know, tough economical situations, like, impacts everybody. Like, it doesn't just impact, you know, black people one way or white people, you know, another way. Like, if you look at, like, okay, let's talk about COVID. Like, COVID disproportionately, you know, affected more African-Americans more, you know, than, you know, other races. And if you want to look at the vaccine, like, why why do we have a whole stigma about, you know, with our people about not going to get the vaccine when it's something that impacted us more than any other group of people? You know what I'm saying? But yeah. we're the ones that don't want to go get it. You know what I'm saying? So... Like, when I'm, like I said, I had to say, like, when we, you know, feel like a certain trauma or we feel like a certain, you know, a certain tough situation, economic or whatever it is, you know, we do struggle the same as other people. But I feel like, you know, when you talk about that system, like sometimes you feel like the system's not made for you. Like no matter what resources may be out there or what resources are probably, you know, trying to be presented, you feel like, you know, that ain't made for me. That ain't really going to help me get through what I got to get through. And you know, it's the same thing when you plug and play it, you know, 
with COVID, like the vaccine is out there. For some reason, I'm not going to get it. I don't know why. I just, you know, I don't know what it is. I just don't feel like, you know, I want to go get it. You know what I'm saying? I can't really, I can't even really explain it to you. I know I need to go get it. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's just something that's like saying, oh, you know, the system, the system ain't set up for me to get that. Like the system don't, you know, the system don't care about me. You know what I'm saying? When that's not even the case, you know, so. You feel like I, the system care about Sometimes, I mean, you look at it, I mean, I look at the, the guy that just got killed in Elizabeth City, you know, and they, they gonna release to the family like a 15 second clip of the whole, you know, body cam. You know, I don't really even, I mean, I don't know all the details, but I know they haven't received the entire footage of the body cam, you know, as far as from today. I know that there's a problem as far as, um, you know, I, I forgot who it was that came on Charlemagne's show and he talked about like how, um, you know, they're doing a state of emergency. They got all these different bills for, you know, for Asian hate, uh, for hates of other races. Umar, you talking about Umar? Umar? Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you talk about, you know, I'm on the lobbying uh, group with athletes for the George Floyd uh, crime bill. Like, you know, they don't, you know, they don't want to, we, we got to talk to people to try to get that passed. Like, that's not just something that's going to pass through. Like, they don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't want to do that. You know, but when it's, it's something like these other bills that, that got to affect, you know, on these other races, like, they pass just like that, you know. So when you talk talking about stuff like that, that that makes me question: like, is the system really set up for me to win? You know what I'm saying? Of course, you know I know they don't. You know they they're not gonna present every resources out there for us to win. But like, you know, are there things that's gonna hinder us from? You know, if I if I take this vaccine, is that gonna set me back? You know what I'm saying? So as sometimes I, mean, I think like that, whether it's right or wrong, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. probably not, but. Well, off top, well, off, off, off top, the vaccine is not going to set you back, and you should get vaccinated. I think, especially in your position. Yo, Doug, that's that's they fucking words. That ain't my words. Don't I know? Don't yeah, let that's, that's, that's this Lupe I telling you. And I, and, I, and, I, and I say this, I say this because you know, for the past, no, no, I, I don't, I don't rock with Doctor Umar. Just off, just FYI, I barely rock with Charlemagne personally, right? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I respect people's positions, but and as it relates to the vaccine and the vaccine and nothing else, um, you know, I've spent time the past year just in conversation and in concert with black doctors, black epidemiologists, people of color, virologists, people directly involved with with manufacturing the vaccines and being in discourse with them and being invited into rooms with them to speak to the public and in a massive way. Um that I, I stand on like there's there's nothing unless you have a very specific history of allergies, which is real, a, a history of blood clots and stuff like that, which is real. Um, there's nothing in that vaccine um, that's going to adversely affect you to the, the to the degree that you have to risk catching covid versus taking the vaccine. Right. Um, that's proven. The science is proven. One thing that's different between scientists and the average person or the average talk personality or radio show host is they can speak with a certain level of authority um, and, and kind of finality um, because that's what gives them their, their say so. Right. They don't have to do the research. Right. They don't need to have all the details to make an assertion. Science don't work like that. Scientists have to kind of be, you know, like, hey, we the research isn't fully in, so we can't definitively say. Right. So it's going to be piece by piece. That's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of thoroughness. Right. So it may some come out this week and it's like, well, you know, this may be like this. That We still waiting. We're going to put things on pause just to see. That's not a sign that, oh, this don't work. And we're trying to do this. And we're trying to do that. So 
just from me to you, not Royce, not Tom, me to you. Um, I think a, a, a person of your stature, um, you ain't got nothing to really worry about. Again, I don't know your medical history, but if you ain't got, you know, if you ain't walking around with an EpiPen, you ain't got to worry about going into a seizure because you're getting a, a dose of vaccine. You know, I think a brother like you, especially in, your, in the public purview, especially with the problems that you're yeah. trying to solve um, and a, what you what you think are problems, um, you know, getting getting the vaccines out the way is just one aspect of that. That that same mentality is folks who won't take their pills, who won't take their antipsychotics, right? Who won't take that those, those antidepressants and take those other things because it's the same way, right? So you're gonna be right back in the same loop of no, nah, I'm not taking that. I'm not doing. I'm not taking that heart that blood pressure medicine. I'm not. Ta- I'm not finna be on them pills. I'm not finna be on that. What well, in diet? I'm not finna diet. I'm finna do that. I'm finna do. That. You just getting. You just keeps going to what you don't want to do. But then when all these problems and issues burst forth on the scene. It's the system, you know, it's their fault, you know? So I just, I just, you know, and that's just my two cents. It's the system system that's pushing the drugs and shit onto those people. Like those drugs aren't, they don't care anything. Like those antidepressants don't care anything. That blood pressure medicine don't care anything. That's just set up for you to continue to just buy prescriptions. You have to diet. You have to to go through rigorous therapy you have to start learning how to unpack things that's the way that you get through it they don't make drugs to fix people i mean but it doesn't work it's folks who went too far it's too it's too late it's it's one thing to to be at kidney failure it's another thing for your kidneys to be failed you know it's another thing to be at pre-diabetic it's another thing to be diabetic it's one thing to be at hypertension it's another thing to actually have it right and your options are slim you can't diet Right. At that point, you got to have some type of intervention medically, at least for a period of time. Um, so you don't suffer through it. I mean, hypertension, blood pressure, all that stuff is real. Um, and that there's some impacts that to say is if it's not to fix it or it's not to cure it, but to help manage it, to help alleviate people's systems, people's symptoms. You know, it's folks out here suffering with that type of stuff. So I'm with it. If you can if you can do the due diligence prior to even crossing those thresholds and being being becoming sick and, and acquiring those diseases and do the do the diet and do all of the, the behavior and everything you need to do so you don't cross that line, then fine. But for the folks who have crossed that line, um, you know, I think they they, they need to kind of look at, you know, what what can happen on a pharmaceutical level to at least help them from a day to day. Um or not, you know, or don't do it and, and thug it out e- either way. That's what I, that's what I recommend with, with the virus, because I don't want to I don't want to conflate. I don't want to talk about 60 different things at once. With the virus, I, I'm not against I'm not going to talk, try to talk people out of doing it. You know, what I mean, like what whatever I encourage people to. Especially black people make an educated decision, like Lupe said, like he went, he did the research. He feels he feels strongly about doing it. You know, what I mean, so whatever decision you're going to make, just make sure that you're not being trusting. We haven't been given a reason to be trusting of any system that is America. So just go do the research and then make a decision based off of your own due diligence and whatever is. that is. That is it shit. Is I'll put I may have put way worse things into my system in the past. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a feeling you have. Yes. Yeah. So I don't, you know. So there is there, out of curiosity, then there's no mandate by the NFL about whether or not you have to, to, to get the. Uh, yeah. To, I mean, to get, just to, just to, a bit to off get, last before I answer that question, like on Lupe's point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like 
as far as like when you talk about mental illnesses, there are some like, you know, some, you know, mental illnesses where they, you know, they do come from a chemical imbalance. So you do need some type of like, you know, therapeutic, some type of medicine. So, I mean, that's legit. You know what I'm saying? My whole opinion about the vaccine, like I'm not totally against it. My thing is like, I just, I just personally feel, you know, from my own point of view that the research hasn't been long enough, you know, based on what I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I need to see, you know, what the reactions are two, three years down the road. But for me to look at it and say, you know, a vaccine that's been around that, that got passed, you know, an emergency use like that fast, like, you know, that sit here and say, I'm going to be the first one to get in line for it when I, I don't even feel like I'm in a, you know, a high risk, uh, you know, one of the high risk categories. You know, I definitely want my parents to get I would never tell nobody not to get it. Like, I, you know, I, I want my parents to be the first one to sign up and get it. I, I encourage them and push them to get it. But for me, when I'm not in nowhere near the harvest category or even, you know, I haven't, I've never gotten a, you know, a flu vaccine or anything like that. So, you know, for me to go say, hey, I'm going to just hurry up and go get this, it's, it's kind of, you know, just kind of stuck with me. And then to answer your question, Tom, like, as far as the NFL, like, man, they can't make us do anything. I mean, you know, they can suggest that, like, hey, we really, you know, want you to get it. And, and, they, and they've done that. Um, they provided every educational um, video, you know, teaching conferences, like everything, every resource you can get on the vaccine, they provide it. I just feel like I need to do some more research like Lupe and Royce talked about. Like I need to go do some more of my own research. I'm not totally against it at all. Like I, I welcome people to get it, but for me to feel comfortable with it, you know, I just think I need to do a little bit more research or even wait a little bit more time. You know, so I've had COVID, you know, I've, I, you know, you know, God willing, like I, I, I was okay, you know. So, um, you know, I, I keep up my health in other different ways, you know. So, you know, I just want to wait a little bit longer, and that's not nothing against any, you know, whatever everybody else feels about. Well, Doug, we appreciate you swinging by and 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 talking about it for everyone who wants to go check out the foundation. It's dreamtheimpossible.org. Um, definitely check it out. You're doing great things. Um, I appreciate you you coming on. I, I have to ask you before you get off, though, prediction for this year. What's the record for the Jacksonville Jags? Yeah, we got to win some games, man. I'm trying to go to the playoffs. So, <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's that's definitely uh, my prediction for it, you know, making it to the playoffs. Um, the playoffs. I'm, I'm writing it down. At least, write at least that the playoffs. Write down. Write down, Doug. Yeah, write it down. What y'all need? From running backs or what? What y'all need? Y'all need y'all need liner linebacks? Man, we got ten draft picks. They're gonna draft every position. I mean, they're driving everybody. You know, what position are you coming in, Royce? <laughs> Any, anything yeah. wherever you need me at. And you know, somebody right. happened to pull a hamstring or something like that, huh? They 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 drafting everybody, man. So if you if, if you can get it done, man, I'm I'm sure they'll give you a look right now. <laughs> oh man, Royce, do you see how he just slightly Threw a shot at you though. He's like, they no, drafted no, any saying. old body, so Anyone. you know, go on ahead, Royce. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying, go on ahead. Any old body is nowadays. I say like that. I'm just saying they ready. They ready to definitely make some moves, man. Like this whole city wants to win. You know, what I'm saying the guys in locker room want to win. You know, we know. You know, man. Have y'all have y'all ever thought about have y'all thought about cheating? You know, cheating is a thing. You know, like did. It it has its it has its upsides. I'm just saying. I'm gonna just throw that out there. That cheating. Yeah, uh, 
We're going to try to do it the right way first. If it don't work the right way, I'm going to Thank, you, thank you. Please do it that way. I mean, maybe maybe come <laughs> out the right way. Maybe come out with the other team uniform on, you know? So just to just to maybe throw things off a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Just a little work out eat right go play football there you go tom i will say this before i get off though like um uh lupe i used to listen to your show goes on like that song i used to listen to that song uh before every game like high school and college like um so like i got a lot of respect for you uh appreciate the opportunity y'all let me get on and um you got it yeah and royce hey i love that song tabernacle that's one. That's that's uh that's one of the hits. Thank I you, my brother. I really like. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you coming on too, man. And um, you know, just treat your your mental health just as seriously as your physical. And I, I guess that's my my last word. And then, you know, just uh, dreamimpossible.org and and then three six dm underscore air on IG. Oh man, shout out! Thank you for all that you do, Doug. Good luck. Keep doing your thing and go Jags. Yes, sir, my brother. Listen, good, good, good luck with the rest of the season until you meet them bears. And then I can't wait for y'all to lose. I hope y'all lose every game against the bears because it's Chicago or nothing. I just want to throw that out there. But that's what we, we talk about that offline. That's all. I still have my pass. I'm looking to get dog. Let me know if you need me to suit up. All right, Doug. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Thank you, Doug. My brother. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to 5'9", and Tom Frank. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. Have you thought about hosting your own podcast but don't know where to start? Working with Say What Media is like having your own personal producer, editor, audio engineer, and distributor all in one place. From equipment recommendations to engineering and distribution, Say What Media handles the boring details so you can focus on saying interesting stuff. Get started at saywhat.media. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to 5'9", and Tom Frank. That was Doug Middleton from DreamTheImpossible.org and the safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that maybe he should listen to more show goals on in his NFL career post-college. I think that might have been the difference in winning games and not, man, is him listening to that song. So I, I cordially invite all the winners and losers to get you some show goes on in your life streaming right now on Spotify and Apple Music. You understand? Could have been a good way to get through those injuries. Yeah, injuries, man. I, I'm injured right now, so I understand. I was doing my show. My hip was like, uh-uh. I think uh-uh. The, I think I think he said when he when he first started getting injured is when he first started experiencing, you know, like kind of like issues with just, you know, mild like depression and shit like that. Mm. Just questioning things, overthinking things and shit like that. Mm. I mean, I, that injury I imagine, life is... I would imagine a big business on that level, there's some degree of players being made to feel like they're disposable. Oh, you know, absolutely. Replaceable. Absolutely. You know I mean, mm-hmm. so that's I mean can it. you imagine the, the you know, you, you get a new coach, a, a new GM, they come in the building and like what happened to him in, in New York and they're just like, you, you're gone. You, you're gone. I mean, Without that crush, that has to crush you. That, that you're... Your whole life, you have been wanting to play in the NFL and to be the cut. That's got to be devastating. Ain't that part of it? You knowing like getting cut, you know, beating the other team, hurting people, sending people home. Like, I mean, that's part of that's part of the program. I don't really have no sympathy on that side because it's like, bro, that's that's part well, listen, of the program. I'll tell, you, 
I played basketball in high school, right? And I played um, on the highest level of high school ball in my high at my high school, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so I went to tryouts. I played varsity in the ninth grade. I went to tryouts just to get some run. Mm-hmm. Getting cut is a part of it, but I, it never was nothing to enter my mind. So imagine you go to look at that list, and you wanted the motherfuckers cut. You didn't even consider yourself to even be that. <laughs> I'll sympathize with that. <laughs> but I guess what I'm saying is, is this is an athlete who his entire life was probably the best guy on the team mm-hmm. in high school, in that's college. The whole field. That's the whole mm-hmm. field in the NFL. Yeah, Everybody that's what I'm saying. It's such a different world. Yeah. And this, it's a uh, business. There's this it's a uh, business. There's this book. Um, or uh, are you familiar with uh, uh, Kwanzaa Junkufu? Kunjufu? Uh, Royce? Mm-mm. Um, I mean, you love him. Uh, he's right up your revolutionary alley. Uh, he's a, he's a he's a writer. He's a writer. No real talk. He was a writer. Um, who had a a a uh, a series a, a series of books called the Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys. Uh, countering oh, yeah, conspiracy yeah. to destroy black boys. He and part of that was he had this uh, and he did he did another great book called To Be Popular or To Be Smart. Um, which is fascinating, right? And his intensity is on, on, on black kids, right? Um, but understanding the context in which it all lives and evolves. Um, but anyway, he had a piece in that about sports, you know, and how as much as we look at sports as being like central kind of dogma, tying the community together, you know, uh, come together communal point type thing. I mean, there's there's a fallacy, a built-in fallacy in sports that you know that's somewhat dangerous, you know, to a degree. Not saying just physically, but in terms of the narrative, where you like, you know, everybody not finna make it, but people pit, like you said, Tom, they pitch their whole life at the expense of mm-hmm. everything else, education. Some folks learning how to read, like all these things, because they're gonna play sports, right? It's, it's some similar to to music, man. I'm finna just be, a, I'm finna be a rapper, I'm finna, or I'm finna just sell drugs, or I'm finna do that. Like those macro narratives where they pit all of their kind of energy into it uh, and then realize like, man, you just won in seven million, you know, like the competition for that one spot. Right. It's seven million people gunning for that one spot. Right. Whether it's baseball, football, whatever it may be. Um, and because it's it's not necessarily you you divorce from the intellectual side of it, like they're not drafting you to, to write plays. Right. Like they just drafting you to fill a position. You just a, a body, you know, um, and because it's extracted from that kind of intellectually, it's just your body. Right. And your body will break, you know, one play. You come out first day, first day drafted, first first game, first play and ruin first your career. Even. Right. Ruin. Be gone. Yeah. Be done. Right. Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some about kind of countering again, using our brother, uh, Dr. Kunjufu's words. Um, I think it's Kunjufu. I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. Um, countering that that narrative, man, of like there has to you got it got to be a little bit more, you know, like if you're gonna be like there has to be a certain level of demand of like man, if you finna play sports, then you got to be at least 4.0. And I know some programs that are like that, and some schools where they push you to have that intellect that that uh the academic standard is really high as well as the sports. Um. You know, and in some cases, it might even be the academics is what's high, and you just so happen to play sports really well as well. But I mean, that's dangerous, bro. 
like to a degree. I don't want to downplay anyone. Shout to Doug and everybody who came on. Other 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 fighters and, and sports people that we know. Uh, even me myself doing martial arts. Um, you know, there has to be something uh, in addition to just often to just play football. You know, because you got CTE, you got all type of concussions and all type of th- financial illiteracy, all type of stuff that's in there. And people just devote their whole life to it. And if, if all it takes is one play at practice and you're done. I mean, I think there's that aspect of it. And then there's also, I mean, what's what's awesome about sports and what's horrible about sports is there's a winner and a loser. Right? I mean, you, you do everything you possibly can to win that game. Yet there's going to be a loser in it too. And how many of us can remember... Like I can't, I can't imagine being a, a professional athlete at that level and being on that stage and and not succeeding, right? Like I can still remember um, Scott Norwood. You guys aren't football guys, but he missed a kick in the Super Bowl to lose the game. Like the Buffalo Bills, who had tried to, who were in the Super Bowl four times in a row and lost all four, and they had a chance to beat the Giants. And I don't even know why I remember this, but Scott Norwood. Like I don't know Scott Norwood, but I remember that Scott Norwood failed. Yeah, that's thirty years Scott, ago. That's because Scott Norwood didn't do enough shit to outshine that fail. I feel like the losses. I feel like the L's come is par for the course. It's just part of it, and I feel like I feel like there's a narrative. Definitely, if you if you go through the public school system as a as a um, as a as a top tier kind of athlete, as a stellar athlete, you get pushed through. You know what I mean? And a lot of these a lot of these neighborhoods and public schools, they don't have the funding. They don't have the funding like the the curriculum isn't up to par. You know what I mean? To be able to compete with some of the prep athletes. You know what I mean? So a lot of times the attention that they get from from being a standout athlete is what they're drawn to. So that's what they focus everything on. You know, so it's more than just a narrative. It's a whole construct. You know what I'm saying? So I think if we want to talk about fixing that, then shit, we got to fix this, the, the, the schools. We got to fix the environments. We got to fix a whole lot of shit because it's a whole lot of it's a whole lot of fucking um, fucking uh, 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 academic, academically stellar fucking prep athletes. Chris, Chris Weber, Chris Weber. Okay, Chris Webber was from the hood, right? Jalen Rose is from a different hood. He's from Southwest. Chris Webber was from the hood, but Chris Webber went to Country Day, and that's basically a school deep in the suburbs. It's like a prep school. They've been watching him since he was a little kid. So mm-hmm. his academic journey was completely different from Jalen's. Jalen went to Northwestern. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't really get crazy academic schooling until he actually went to U of M. You know what I mean? So. You can both ended up out there, of that though. shit, but you yeah, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to go like to college and like only take courses that you know. what I'm saying like some bullshit courses. You can get the most out of the experience, but you just got to be informed to some degree. You know what I mean? Like my man said, it, my man used the perfect word, man. Perspective, perspective. If you're able to place perspective on it, that's why I keep going back to therapy. And even when the, some of the points you was making, Lou, like outside of just the the the, the, um, the problems that are like plaguing everybody's community, bipolar disorder, all uh, suicide, all of the, outside of that, that's not 
the dis- the disparaging rate in which black people are affected is just access to therapy and the stigma associated around therapy. Thinking that it's all about you got to have bipolar disorder, you got to have something to need therapy. It's a it's a it's a, it's, it's something that helps you develop. And, and we don't get that in our communities because we looking at the TV screen and we looking at Jay-Z and whoever on our TV screen and we're thinking that their dollar is worth more than our dollar. You know what I mean? Like when I didn't go to college, I thought I just wasn't smart enough to go to college. Maybe people were just smarter than me. Until I talked to a psychologist years later and she she drew correlation between how artists, people who end up being artists, how they perform in regular public school environments where it's a whole class and they're not getting individual treatment. You know what I'm saying? She was like, you daydream a lot. I was like, yes. She was like, see a lot of producers are like that. That's why they take the video games and shit like that. Somebody was supposed to notice or catch on to your inclination to music or creativity and put you in a performing art school. So you can have smaller classes and you can have the attention on you that you need and you can develop some of these natural tendencies and inclinations that you have. Like the first time I saw my son doing this in the kitchen, beating on the table, I took him straight to Guitar Center and got him a machine. I got him everything he needed. And he ain't unpacked that shit, Lou, for like two years. Then, when, then one one day I was walking I was walking by the um the basement door and I just heard snares in the basement. I'm like, what the fuck is that? He down there beating on the pads. Now. He a singer. He write all his own songs. He produce all his own songs. So he's very, very evolved in terms of an artist because he got an early start because I nurtured it because I got a late start. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine and Tom Frank. Logitech is proud to present Logitech, a series featuring the makers, the creators, and the groundbreakers who are pushing beyond all reason to change the world. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Shout to Doug Middleton for checking in, and we're going right into. Bro, why do I got this, so many lines, man? This I don't week's even edition. Have any lines. Of Radio Theater. Are y'all ready? So today, wait ladies minute, and gentlemen, minute, and Sergio, wait, wait no, nah, no rehearse. Listen, man, no rehearsing. We got to jump into this. Don't read it. Stop. We got to do this live and Dude, raw. And I don't fresh. see any teas. Shut up, Tom. Stop complaining. Y'all ready? Okay. So today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, episode two. It's called Time for a Change. We have Tom. Who will be playing the record executive? Royce, who will be playing MC Sensitive. <laughs> All right. And I, Lupe Fiasco, will be playing uh DJ and assistant. So here's the scene. We have the record, we have the record label. Um, Royce is coming to have a meeting with, or MC Sensitive is coming to have a meeting with record exec. Y'all ready? We're ready. Okay. Now, Royce, Royce, dig deep, okay? I want you to dig, but don't dig too deep, but, I got but dig. Tom, I need you to just be as as ruthless and white as you can, but I need you to be also s- subtle and almost vampiric in your approach. Okay? okay. All right, here we go. <clears throat> He's here, sir. 
Bring him in. Royce enters. MC Sensitive. Good to see you. Peace and happiness, my good brother. Have a seat. Do you need anything? How can we get MC Sensitive some, some hors d'oeuvres? Oh, my brother, I just had a splendid vegan cheese plate. I am satisfied. I hear you want to talk to some prosperous business with I. Oh, yes, yes. So we, we here have doing, we're, we're doing some research, and it seems to us that the, uh, the industry is changing. Oh, bless me with knowledge of these changes, oh, sweet soul. Trends are changing, and the audience isn't what it used to be. Um, they want cutting-edge, hardcore content, something that speaks to the streets. Ah, okay, I see. Street speak. Gritty and rough. But I'm not gritty and rough. Hmm. We know, we know. And, and look, you're in a good place, but we just want to make sure that you're prepared for the changes that are happening. Are my records not successful enough? Oh, no, no, no. You can't stop, uh, can't stop cuddling, and I'm, and I'm afraid of the streets. We're, we're both top ten smashes. I love cuddling, and MC Sensitive is afraid of that streets. Facts. But, but listen, what if we, I don't know, in preparation for the shift, start with a couple small changes? Such as, sweet brother? What if we move from MC Sensitive into something more intense? Uh, you know, we're thinking Royce, the 5'9". The what kind of name is that? It has numbers in it. Well, we tested it, and we think it has legs. Also, what if we went into another direction musically? I don't know how to feel about this, sweet brother. I enjoy my music. Yeah, yeah, we, we do too. But but listen, what if we change the title for your upcoming album from Love Me Tenderly to Book of Ryan? Book of Ryan? But my name's not Ryan. Since he sensed Well, we, we think you can learn to love it. This is all happening so fast, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We, we know. And, and, and what if we remix Can't Stop Cuddling to Can't Stop Hustling? Hustling? But that doesn't sound sensitive at all. I mean, do you like guns? Guns? Can, can you bring the guns in, please? And Oh, and the, uh, the entourage. Hey, this is much, much sweet, brother. Too much for MC Sensitive to bear. Hey, it, it's time for change. Times 10. But I don't want to change no, time it's 10. Time, it's time. Keep saying it's time for change. You're supposed to say... Oh. Yeah, keep saying it's time, it's time for, change. for change. It's time for change. Yeah, it's keep time for change. And Royce, you said I don't want change. change. It's time for change. It's time for change. It's time for change. I don't want to change. It's time for change. I don't want to change. I don't want to change. It's time for change. I don't want to change. I don't want to change. It's time for change. It's time for change. It's time for change. It's time for change. Yo, hey, hey, yo, Royce. Hey, Royce. Hey, hey, man. Hey, what's going on, man? Oh, man, I must have dozed off. I had the craziest dream, man. I was at the fucking label. Hey, 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 look, you got to tell me about that later, man. We go on in two minutes, man. The show is packed. That's who sold out tonight, man. Oh, fuck. All right, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Hey, man, is you ready? Let's get it. Okay, okay, cool. Oh, um, yo, yo, so check it out. Tonight, we're going to come out to Can't Stop Cuddling and then go straight into I'm Afraid of the Streets, okay? All right, I'll see you on stage. No! Dun. Dun, dun. Tom, I really think I really think you need to step up your performance <laughs> a little bit. 
You know what I mean? Like, you missed your mark on a few spots. I did. Carrying you like this. I thought I played white executive. I, I, I am who, a professional. Who subtly tried to change your opinion on something very, very well. <laughs> oh, man. What, 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 um, I didn't know we were going into a dream sequence. What, what metaphor, me what metaphoric significance? Did you see that? You see, story you see how it, you see how it all fits today's theme for the show. You see how it all just kind of woven in naturally, like synchronicity. It was just a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but listen, listen, man. That's why I was smiling when y'all was talking. I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna fit perfectly." And 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 just so you know, I didn't know Doug was coming on, and I didn't know what he was gonna talk about. I have I had this idea a few days ago, so this is something that was already just kind of in the books. It just it, it's a perfect fit. Well, like record record labels, for the most part, got artists afraid to beat it their natural selves. But you ain't see the twist though. It was all you, a dream. It, it was, was all a dream. I used to work, read Word Up magazine. Oh man, come on now! I thought, see, 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 this was a nuanced piece, which is supposed to no, have a, a. Yeah, you know what fits more than that? I had a dream. I said about big. I said that version of it was all a dream. Come on, man! It was supposed to be a twist of you waking up in the world, but you was you was Royce, but you was still MC sensitive because you was Royce outside of the dream in the real world. But we was gonna still perform "Can't Stop Cuddling," which was your hit in the dream world when you was MC sensitive. It was like Bro. Twilight Zone. There's there was a lot of hidden meaning in this. The, Roy, the Royce in that script that you just wrote needs what? to lay off the LSD. All right, because that's that just sound like that just sound like a trip that the Beatles was on. Listen, man, I don't know if we're gonna be prepared. I, know. I don't know. Nah, this one, be... this one, this one is great. This one is great. No, I think I can top it. I think oh, I can top it. Ooh, ooh. Is that a challenge? It's why it got to be a challenge. It's just he need to do some of the work. That's what that is. Why got to be a challenge? I no no no. Every, it's not a, it's everything not a, it's about a me is competitive. Everything's I'm not a challenge, but I, I think we can creatively push each other here. I think if we, I think you can too. Every week, if every week we set a bar, we can keep elevating the bar. So we know we can't go up. So if I come with a bullshit script next week, y'all got to call me out on that. Okay. So wait, are you writing Tom, the script for next week? I, is that what I'm hearing right now? If you will allow me to. Allow you, you to? Allow this is to. your show. What are you talking about? Do it. Yeah, man. But listen, man. I don't like bringing out my inner Jordan Peele all the time. Here man. we go. You, know, like, that's a, that's you a don't. Dark, that's like why you dark keep side referencing him like, like you know him like that? Like, why do you keep doing that? I am him. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what up? This is Lupe Fiasco. And uh, make sure you get some therapy. Oh, what up? This is Royce59. And I'm going to make sure this nigga Lou gets some therapy. And this is Tom Frank, <laughs> in case you forgot I was on the show, because I uh, just was in awe most of it. We upstaged you this week, bro. Yes, you did. <laughs> Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Yo, what up, Lupe and Royce? This is Charles from Gaithersburg, Maryland. Shout out to Tom as well, Marilyn all the way. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for putting on this podcast. I've been a lifelong fan, longtime fan of both of you. Tom, thank you for moderating. You may be a regular dude, but you're doing an awesome job. Astronomically well job. Much love to all three of you. Uh, keep it up. God bless. Such 
a pleasure to enjoy the Lupe and Royce podcast. You're two of the best MCs to ever do it. How does Tom know Royce and Lupe is my big question. Oh yeah, I'm KP Kev the Poet. I'm English, as you probably can tell by my voice, but I'm currently residing in Portugal because England was becoming more racist and more fascist. I heard your voicemails was lacking freestyle. Well, crisis averted. Subject matter is intense. It's an invite to the circus. Hey, yo, Lupe! I might hit the site for the merch and I might make a purchase, but word on the street is a regular guy's been swiping your shirt, so I gotta double check the cloth because it might be refurbished. I'm kidding. Tom is a likable person, but he incited this workman inviting the wordsmith. Cracked open a monster. It's not the beverage voice be quenching his thirst with, nevertheless, I'm a servant. And tell him I learned it from Professor Five Nines Masterclass lectures and sermons on how to get the texture on the eggs Benedict perfect. And I'm terrible at ending the verse, so Geronimo, Virginia, thank you guys. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or follow. Leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. It's recorded and mixed by Claude Jennings. Our head writer is Lauren Sloat. I'm Tom Frank. And our theme music is by, who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the Five Nine.